0: Bye. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libercubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello. Welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Today, within the Liberal Cube, my friends is Book bow Wednesday. When you tell your friends about Book, well, Wednesday, you're really going to want to hit those wheeze extra hard. Something I like to say at the top of every show, or rather say so as not to piss people off, is that there will be spoilers. This is your one and probably only spoiler warning. The reason I decided to do a podcast with spoilers and make it very spoilery is that that is what I like. Uh, I would rather... Listen to a podcast where they don't try to pussyfoot around things so as not to give story points away. Because I find it not as entertaining. So that is why I do not do it. There you go. A little peek into the old noggin there for yous. Another thing i like to say, or rather say, in an effort to grow this podcast more than it already has. Just uh, perhaps on that note, I will say... Uh, Just about, probably since last time I checked, now at 12,000 listens. So, thank you very much for all of you who have listened and continue to do so. Very much appreciated. With that in mind, I will say, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes. Thank you for those of you who have already done so. Very, very much appreciate it. For those of you who have not done so, thank you in advance for doing so. That's how confident I am in your niceness. Okay, last piece of podcast-related midness is, of course, today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Boo Radley's Tequila Mockingbird. Once again, today's sponsor is Boo Radley's Tequila Mockingbird. Mm-mm-mm. Goes down smooth. So, uh, this is a nice book Wednesday in that I have just started a new fantasy trilogy. Something about the combination of fantasies The fantasy setting and a trilogy really gets my book Juices Flowing, and this book is no exception. The juices were flowing. Very, very moist. Perhaps that has something to do with the sort of nautical themed fantasy novels. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the live ship trader series by Mrs. Or Miss Robin Hobb. Robin Hobb. I completed last night's book one, titled Ship of Magic. So, uh, not too shabby. It's got ship in the title. It's got magic in the title. Who doesn't love a little magic ship? huh? So, just to give you a little idea of the sort of fantasy world we are dealing with. So far, I think it is basically just in Ham... Inhabited by humans, so haven't seen any you know dwarves, elves, anything like that. However, magic does exist in one form of, in one form or another, and sort of specifically in the form of the live ships. Live ships are uh, boats, ships that are made of something called wizard wood. Incredibly expensive. Families who purchase them spend generations trying to pay back what is owed and the interest on them. Uh, Expensive because after three members of your family that purchased them have died on the ship, the ships then become alive. Sentient, if you will. They all have sort of uh, figureheads, mastheads. You, You know what I'm talking about at the front of like pirate ships you always see the sort of quite often buxom woman coming out of the uh, the front of it you know what i mean one of them things so those will come alive and then uh not only will they be alive but they'll sort of be able to to kind of one degree or another be able to manipulate the ship itself although not the rudder <laughs> Oddly enough, you'd think if they had control of anything, it would be the rudder, but no. So this uh, this series focuses around the live ship by the name of, I'm going to pronounce it, Vivacia. It is V-I-V-A-C-I-A. Vivacia. Mm-hmm. She is a ship owned by the Vestrit clan, the Vestrit family. She had already had uh, two members of this family die on board her, so she was only one away from becoming alive. And uh, this is a good example of, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, the sort of patriarch of the Vestrit family, Gramps. Gramps Vestrit died on board uh, of a sickness. He was very, very ill for a long time. So that that part was pretty sad. It's a sad way to start off a book with... Uh, what was seemingly a nice old man um, sort of withering away and dying. <laughs> sadness. Then the sadness is sort of amplified by the fact that uh, he has two daughters, one who sort of had accompanied him on board for years and years since she was young. She believed, and rightly so by all accounts. Uh, that she would inherit this ship once it became uh, sentient or once her father was too old to captain her anymore. However, no, that is not what happened. It went to the other daughter, the older daughter, the daughter who, and and sort of the reasoning behind this kind of made sense the way they explained it, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. The other daughter didn't have much in the way of ability to kind of take care of herself or provide for herself, whereas Althea, well, I should perhaps say her name, Althea, the younger daughter, if she did not have the ship, um, she was so sort of streetwise, I think is a way you could look at it, that she would be able to fend for herself regardless of what happened. So I guess that makes sense, although she was not too happy. Neither was the ship either, because the ship, although not yet sentient, had sort of developed a rapport with Althea just through uh, sort of touch and working on her. She would sleep on her sort of deck, and while sleeping, the sort of contact with the ship, they would have dreams of one another very, very mystically, magically, in-your-headly, Cool lead. So not only does the older daughter get the ship from what should right, what I think and many others thought should rightfully belong to the younger daughter, uh, because the the older daughter, what's her name, Kefria, something along that line, strange fantasy, creative name, Kefria. Because she had no experience in shipping or captaining or anything like that, she sort of gave the, gave the running of the ship to her husband. Her husband, who is a fucking asshole, and I hate him. His name is Kyle. <laughs> it's always weird when they create crazy fantasy names like Althea. Although, I guess that could... That's, maybe I have heard that name. Kefria, Brashin, and then just throw in Kyle. Yeah, my name's Kyle. Like, does he get made fun of for having the name Kyle, a normal-seeming name in a fantasy universe? Anyways, he's a dick. Uh, It's... I can't remember if it did come to blows, but it basically did. And because he was running the ship, because he and Althea did not get along whatsoever, uh, she ran away. She did sort of regret it, just because once these ships become sentient, The sort of first, let's say, four weeks, they're sort of very impressionable, and that is kind of how and when their personality develops, and she wasn't going to be there for that. But she didn't have much of a choice because Kyle ordered her away from the ship. Now, something else you should know of these live ships is that they need on board, uh, sort of constantly, but mostly, most importantly... Um, during these first four weeks, someone of the family to sort of develop a link between them it's almost like a psychic emotional empathic kind of link between a member of the vestrid family and the live ship itself so cool cool thought there uh, so since Althea is not there and Kyle wanted nothing to do with her, he has brought aboard his son his son by the name of Wintrow, W-I-N-T-R-O-W, Wintrow, this son, who's uh, just sort of early, in his early teenage years, was, when even younger, sent off to join the priesthood, was a priest of Sa, S-A, he's sort of the, he or she, uh, could never quite figure that out, uh, sort of the main, or one of the main gods within this universe so he had uh, devoted his life to the priesthood and was very much sort of priestly, uh, had the mind of a priest, the body of the priest, and just sort of wanted absolutely nothing to do with this lifestyle. That being said, uh, he sort of immediately developed a sort of rapport with the ship itself which made it even more kind of difficult for him because he wanted nothing to do with this lifestyle, yet felt bad because of this link between him and the ship, so the ship could feel his desire to leave, get out of there, not become a sailor, stay priestly. Uh, So that depressed the ship, depressed him that it depressed the ship because of the link together. Also, uh, when Kyle took over this ship, um, a lot of the, the sailors who were aboard did not like did not think it was good that he had control. They also believed that Althea would be the one who took control after their father died. So some left, uh, some stayed on boards just because they had a sort of loyalty to the ship itself, which I guess makes sense, loyalty to his sentient ship. Uh, one of the ones who left was a, a man by the name of... man, boy, young man. Um, yeah, say young man, by the name of Brashen. Brashen was another who was sort of in line to perhaps even be the captain uh, while Althea was the owner. Uh, had a very strong relationship with uh, Grandpa Vestret and sort of defended Althea when when they found out that she was not going to get this ship, he left as well. So this book, this story, is sort of, it's almost hard to choose a main character. Uh, I would possibly tend to, lead, to lean towards Althea as the main character, but uh, the book sort of jumps around to multiple characters. So um, it'll be sometimes with Althea, sometimes with uh, Wintrow and the ship, uh, and Kyle. It'll sometimes be with, after the ship has left, uh, with the remaining family. So with Althea's older sister, Kefria, her daughter Malta, her grandmother who lost her grandfather, uh, Ronica. Sometimes it'll stay with them. And sometimes it will hop to seemingly unconnected person by the name of Kenneth. Kennet is a pirate. Ah, Yes, he is. Ah, But uh, he's a little more swanky than your average pirate. He's got some class to him and uh, strives to be more than just your average pirate captain. Uh, his sort of section of this starts out with him visiting this island in which... Uh, Basically, you're not supposed to go to, and if you do, you're going to die, you bastard. He goes there. He has got balls, this guy. I will say that. Definite balls, and known for his big balls. Not literally. Figurative big balls. Uh, Goes to this island in order to meet with sort of the oracles that are said to live there. The oracles confirm and sort of tell him that his heart's desire will come true, and he will sort of attain his goal of becoming... Uh, I guess, kind of a way to look at it, uh, and a fun way to look at it, is to become the Pirate King. Aha! So this this uh, prophecy, uh, you could perhaps even go as far to say, and his sort of tremendous luck, this is another thing the Oracle part... Uh, sort of passed down to him that he has um, sort of infused within him let's say just a tremendous amount of luck just oozing out of his pores also at his disposal uh, is this cool little uh, I guess it's a was it a ring or a bracelet oh I don't remember anyways a piece of jewelry made out of wizard wizard wood the same wizard wizard <laughs> wizard wood It's hard to say. Wizard wood. Wizard wood. Wizard wood. Uh, The same wizard wood that make up the live ships. So it has... Now it is uh, apparently illegal to make anything other than ships out of this wood. However, he's a pirate. He don't care. Uh, It is fashioned to look like him, so it's sort of in his image that he can talk to it. It gives him sort of uh, advice. It doesn't know things, I think that he does not know. Um, It just knows things that he does know, but perhaps has not consciously uh, seen or processed. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. His uh, sort of main desire is to become the Pirate King, and he believes One of the ways in which he will do this is to capture a live ship. Something you should know about live ships is they are friggin' kick-ass compared to normal ships. So if there were, say, a race between a live ship and a normal ship, no matter how well-crafted the normal ship, it would have no chance whatsoever of catching one. He makes a deal with his first mate that... If they try to catch a live ship, for every time they try, they will also capture and release um, slave ships. Because within this universe, slavery is a a very large part of it, and the sort of politics of that, how, for example, Bing Town, where Althea is from, is against slavery, but it's sort of cancerously weeding its way in, Uh, and then... In other parts of this world, it is sort of commonplace. So that is where Kennet is. He is, despite the fact that he is saving slaves, does not basically have a uh, altruistic bone in his body. He's a bit of a bastard, but everyone sort of sees him as being sort of a nice guy. Not a nice guy. A powerful man, but a trustworthy man. Despite the fact that he is just sort of striving for power and will let nothing get in his way folks i'm at work so i'm going to come back in eight hours to wrap this up i did what i planned to do which was uh, at this point in the book it sort of jumps ahead a couple of years so uh it almost makes sense that i will stop and then jump ahead a couple of hours mm, interesting i will also say love you dearies I'm a fool to do your dirty- WORKING! 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 and we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed, so that's nice. But what is even nicer, kind of, I guess not really, uh, is that the left-hand turn I have to make to Start My Journey Home, sometimes, like yesterday, takes a goddamn friggin' forever-ness. Uh, today didn't even stop. Rolling stop. Allegedly, just in case the police are listening. <sighs> See, it's, it's the little things that can brighten up your day. Mm. Little things like, perhaps, listening to a Book Book Wednesday podcast. Lovely. So, uh, I kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of planned it well, uh, in that where I am, where I left off this morning, sort of, uh, I'm going to jump back in with years past in the book, so uh, that that makes as much sense as anything. Uh, Althea has run away, and... Sort of, she has developed this plan that I don't think is greatly thought out. Kyle sort of said, uh, he swore, and I don't mean with swear words, I mean sort of swore to God. I swear to God that, he said, uh, in the place of God, he of course has the name Sa, as we talked about this morning. Uh, So I swear to God that if any. Captain thought you were a worthy sailor. I would just give you the ship. Now he said it in anger, but I guess in this sort of reality, uh, a vow such as that under Sa's name can be taken legally. So Althea set out with the plan in mind to get just such a just such a uh, let's say an approval from a uh, captain to prove she is a worthy sailor. Okay. Uh, It's something, and this sounded like something that actually exists in real life. I'm not sure if it actually does. Something called a ship's ticket. So once you have worked on a ship and you're done with your voyage, you will be paid. You will also receive a ship's ticket, which I guess is just sort of a form of, uh, uh, hey, this person has worked for me. They did a fine job. This proves that fact. Here you go. That kind of thing. Uh, she ends up working on a slaughter ship, so not the not the choicest of possessions. A slaughter ship basically sounds like, which I guess something that sort of used to exist that doesn't so much anymore. Uh, a ship that would go and then kill a bunch of, as they described them, sounded kind of like walruses, seals, things kind of of that ilk. Maybe not exactly that. Um, would just go and kill a bunch of them and then skin them, bring back their furs and their meat and their oils, and that's your job. She is, at this point in her life, disguised as a boy. A ship's boy. She's got a few more years on her than your typical ship's boy, but being a woman, she's, uh, obviously smaller in size and doesn't have any facial hair. She pulls it off. The only person to catch her is uh, Brashen, who I mentioned this morning. Brashen, who just so happens to be, and it is a coincidence, or is it fate, uh, just so happens to end up working on the same slaughtership. Sort of catches her eye um, at first doesn't even realize that it is in fact Althea but uh, eventually sort of clues in once he saves her life from a, from a like a giant wave that washed washed over the ship almost killed her uh, so from that point on they're kind of in cahoots Althea makes it through the entire voyage she has trouble with some of the harder sort of heavy lifting work just because she's she's not a weakling by any manner but she just doesn't have the mass to sort of throw into her work however uh when they are on the the island in which they're slaughtering these beasts she does sort of find within her the ability to uh, skin these creatures faster than not only everyone else. Even people hired to do this job, but everyone combined. She's just a master skinner. So, interesting. Find it sort of the the, the, the more detail-oriented uh, work. So, good for her. She got paid for that. Or, I should say... No, no, she did get paid for that. Uh, so, everything's going good. She's about to get her ship's ticket. And then, uh, I guess, turned out to be foolishly admits to the captain who she was all along, he is not too impressed to say the least, and refuses her ticket. Shit. So basically a year and change of work, uh, totally down the tubes, she's got very little money, she doesn't have reproof from a captain that she is a able seaman, her and Brashen had a bit of a fling, uh oh, little sexual tension there, and a little sex there, yeah. Now it was during a sort of drunken, debauched, on this drug called cinnin. So uh, we're not, as an audience, as a reader, exactly sure if it's a hundred percent legit that they are in love. However, there's there's definitely some sort of brewing lover-buns type scenario there. So her section of this novel leaves off with her gaining passage. On another live ship. Uh, The live ships all sort of know one another because they're all from the same town. Bing Town. I like the name of that. I'm sure Chandler Bing would appreciate that name. Uh, So she's on her way back, once again disguised as a boy. However, because this time she's on a live ship, uh, the live ship has sort of intuition about those aboard her and almost immediately off the bat recognizes she is a girl. Uh, it comes out that she is Althea Vastret, one time uh, shipmate of the Vivacia, newly quickened live ship. What ends up happening is that this live ship that she is traveling back home on sort of lets her in on the secret that they all were sort of on her side all along. Uh, it never sort of came to Althea this fact, however, she is sort of content now in the fact that. The live ships will speak up for her, uh, go so far as to say we will not sail unless Althea is put back in her proper place on the ship. Friggin' awesome. She was happy, obviously, uh, and that's where we will leave her behind on her way back to Bingtown to be reunited with her ship. Or will she? Mm -hmm. Because, oh, bit of a... Uh, a cliffhanger there. Uh, just before I move on, I will say Brashin at this point um, s- has joined the crew of another ship that's just going from sort of port to port to port, buying shit, selling shit, buying shit, sh- selling shit. Very nomadic lifestyle. Uh, this ship is traveling, though, within the pirate isles, so he's, he's sort of finally coming in contact with pirates there's been, uh, right before his section ended, there was sort of hints that he had a bit of a checkered past. Had a nickname, The Weasel. <laughs> which reminded me of the movie Encino Man. The Weasel. Yeah. That's him, maybe. Anyway, so uh, that's where he is left behind. Uh, I have a feeling in this upcoming book, he's going to be in on some pirate-type action, so that'll be good. Now, The Cliffhanger was the pirate Kennet. What is he up to? He had his eyes on a live ship. Perhaps he got one. He did get one. Yes. None other than Vivacia. Shit. Or is it shit? That's another cliffhanger. Uh, anyways, so he was doing his thing, um, releasing slaves, chasing after live ships. At one point, uh, just prior to this, he had his leg bitten off by a serpent, so that ain't good. It has become, uh, I don't think poisoned is the right word. It sounds more, uh, sort of gangrenous than anything else. Uh, despite this fact, he was not gonna let anything get in his way of pursuing, uh, a live ship. Now, we know that Kyle, on board the Vivica with his son, Wintro, literally in tow, decided to get into the, uh, the slaving game. The ship doesn't like it. Wintro doesn't like it. Most of the crew is against it. The slaves obviously don't, obviously don't like it. So everyone's just pretty miserable. There's a section here in which uh, Wintro does manage to sneak away and run away. Um, the ship is obviously pretty distressed over this. She had the opportunity to sort of say, to to almost turn him in, uh, but he did her the, the honor of speaking to her beforehand, so she understood, she wasn't happy about it, but uh, he escaped. But not very far. The very first sort of port that he escaped into uh, was a slave selling port. So he stopped at one point to sort of fulfill some priestly duties to a dying slave, and was then, as the slave died, sort of captured because the slave owner thought he had killed the slave. So then... He is then, because he had no one to vouch for him and no money, he himself was enslaved. Enslaved, even. Uh, something that happens to slave within this universe is they all get tattoos on their face. So he got a tattoo to represent his owner, which was basically the, uh, as they call him in this, uh, you could call him the king or the emperor, they always, in fantasy novels, have to have some friggin' crazy name to make it confusing. I'll just say King or Emperor, but it's it's actually like Sartrap, some bullshit name like that. Whatever, so uh, he now owned Wintro. However, luckily or unluckily, his father, who was there buying slaves, saw him being sold, so purchased him back, then put uh, his own sort of uh, tattoo on his own son's face, that tattoo represented the vivacia was sort of a representation of the figurehead on the ship, as if now he is no longer a free man, he is rather the slave of the ship. Ah, very dark and foreboding that. So he's just sort of living his life on the ship. His former shipmates kind of want nothing to do with him. The slaves kind of see them as one of their own, despite him sort of not being chained within the ship. Uh, This leads to the sort of explosion of action in this book where uh, almost by accident, Wintrow... (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Almost by accident, he frees these slaves, the slaves which then go on to kill every single person on board. It is a mutiny, as they call it when you're at sea, Uh, with the exception of his father, who is... He's still badly beaten, but not outright murdered. So just as this is happening, which I should also mention, there's a goddamn giant storm happening at the same time, uh, Kennet, the pirate king, or wannabe pirate king, sees this sort of ship floundering uh, and knows that something is awry, is chasing it regardless. But this time, finally, his dreams are realized and he catches it. And boards. or Kennet, introduces himself to the ship And the ship, because she has not been treated well by any, really, uh, is kind of flattered by him, despite the fact that live ships are only supposed to sail, uh, I guess, willingly for their blood-right owners. So that, my friends, is where they leave off. Oh, uh, I guess where they actually leave off is um, Kenneth has made a deal with Wintrow that if uh, Wintro is able to save him uh, and by that I mean cut off the gangrenous part of his already bitten off leg and save his life, uh, then he will spare his father he will spare Wintro as well as his father. Uh, after that, we don't really know what's gonna happen. Other than Kennet, the wannabe pyro king now has at his disposal one of the fastest ships in the entire realm. hmm that's not good. So, that's where they leave off. Uh, Just sort of to check in with what's going on in Bingtown. Wintrow's sister, Althea's sister's daughter, which I guess would be her niece, has gotten herself into a bit of a pickle. Uh, This sort of section in the book with... The events of Bingtown focuses a little on the, I guess you would kind of say the politics of this world. Uh, I, in fantasy novels, usually dread these sections and find absolutely no joy in any talk political or anything like that. You know what, this one actually mixes with romance too, so politics and romance. I realize those two things are going to happen in fantasy novels, and I kind of just... I I don't skim through them, I do read them, but they kind of don't interest me whatsoever. In this book, uh, they didn't focus too much of their energies on it, so um, I will say I didn't detest it. (laughs) No, no, that's that's not being fair. Uh, they, They managed to make it interesting. I will even go far as to say that. Uh, so Malta is the name of this, this uh, young girl, not even teenager, or maybe 13. She sort of caught the eye of what are called the Rain River people, one in particular who wants to basically woo her. Uh, the Rain River people are technically human, however, are sort of spun off, uh, seeming, from the people of Bingtown. They live upriver where they have developed sort of their own culture. And not only that, but they're sort of uh, deformed. It's almost as if they are mutants, and it's a a kind of radiation that has deformed them to one degree or another. Some are seemingly human. They just sort of wear veils, uh, so you can't see the the deformities of their faces. Some, uh, which I don't think they... They're starting to get into a little bit more in book two, that some of these deformities are much more severe. So Malta has uh, captured the eye of one of these. And because these people, these Rain River folk are the ones who gave this family the live ship and are owed either money or blood. Uh, Which means they have the sort of option, if they are not able to pay in gold, they will have to pay in blood. Meaning they can take Malta. So that's sort of the political romance shit going on at home. Interesting. I I like a book, and by God, it's got to be hard for the writer to keep keep up with what everyone is doing at any given moment. Very, very impressed with Robin Hobb. Uh, let's just leave off with talking a little bit about uh, the sort of final viewpoint in this book that is very, very lightly touched on in this first novel. And that is the viewpoint of the serpents. The serpents, you say? They are living underwater. They are sea serpents. And uh, interesting, and again, they started to delve a little bit more in, into this in the second book, which I'm, what, like 50 pages into. Uh, Some of them are just sort of animals. They're like sea serpents that are just after eating and swimming around and having sex and that's it. Some of them, however, I think some of the older ones or ones from different locations in this world are smart, are sentient, are uh, able to plan and reason and talk with one another. Those ones are very, very interesting. And I will just leave, uh, I think a good place to end this podcast is with how the book sort of ended. uh, In saying that there is some sort of connection, which is very, very vague and sort of ethereal at this point, but there is some sort of connection, I believe, between these serpents and the live ships. Hmm. Interesting. Interested? Interester. Huh. Okay, well, that is all. Oh, yeah, except for my rating. <laughs> uh, five out of five. Yeah, easy, easy, easy for me to give this book a five out of five. I am worried, as uh, I remember this happening in my last fantasy, I think it was in a quintology, not a trilogy that when I read a fantasy trilogy such as this and really, really enjoy the first book, I am inevitably depressed by the second book. So I am worried, but 50 pages in, and so far, so very good. So, who knows? Uh, one last thing to say, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address mayawood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory.